hard times often causes lapse of faith. Yet those who demonstrate faith despite the conditions of life are watched over by God and blessed because of their faith. Hi, I'm Fanny Osabin, a preacher for the Church of Christ. In today's sermon, God is Faithful to the Faithful, we will look at 1 Kings 17 and 18 and see how God protects people who demonstrate faith in Him while also demonstrating His control over this world by punishing His people for abandoning Him to worship Baal. Hopefully, this sermon encourages us to look past our situation and to learn to deepen our faith regardless how hard things get in the world so we can be used by God to draw others to Him because they recognize God blessing us despite what the world is going through. Problems in the world are not a problem to God. Right now we're facing a world problem, but that's not a problem to God. You see, if we focus on the problem, what tends to happen is we lose focus on God. And we often overlook the fact that God is faithful to the faithful. God is faithful to the faithful. We're going to be looking at the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 17 and 18. And and in this passage... What we have is one of the great prophets recorded in scripture. And he prophesied during the days of Ahab, one of the worst kings recorded in scripture. And it's interesting because what this story is, is not a story about Ahab and Elijah. It's really a story about God versus a non-God. God versus Baal. And so the problems going on in this story all relate to people's relationship with God or lack of relationship with God. Listen to the context behind the situation Elijah finds himself prophesying in. I'm going to start in chapter 16 of the book of 1 Kings 16 and This is verse 30. I'm going to read just a little bit about Ahab, the evaluation of his reign. Ahab, son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, he took as his wife Jezebel, daughter of King Ethbaal of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal, and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. Ahab also made a sacred pole. Now hear this. Ahab did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than had all the kings of Israel who were before him. If you was a prophet in those days, you had a tough battle in front of you because not only were you going against somebody who didn't worship God properly you went against somebody who did worse than all the kings before them 
and erected a false temple to a false god where God's people were supposed to worship. And it's in this context that Elijah is called to prophesy to God's people, to tell them God's word, to call God's people from their idolatrous ways back to him. But there's a problem that goes on in the world that those who don't understand what's really happening would easily be distracted by. We just read of the assessment of Ahab. Now this is the introduction to Elijah in scripture. 1 Kings 17. Now Elisha the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. The word of the Lord came to him saying, Go from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the Wadi Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the wadi, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and he went and lived by the wadi Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. So as soon as we hear about this assessment of the evilest king in Jerusalem, we hear of this call of this prophet, and this prophet just comes and says that there's going to be a drought. Now, if we just think about what that really means is that a drought is going to bring forth about a famine because the crops are not going to produce. And this drought that Elijah says is going to happen lasts for three years. And what we see is a situation to where it looks like something trouble in the world is going on when it's really trouble in people's relationship with God. It's brought about because people have turned from God and the leaders have started following Baal. And so what we really see is Elisha telling Ahab that there's going to be a drought, but what this really was was saying that your God Baal is not going to bring water and produce crops in this land because God said he's not. You see the struggle there? It's one of who are we going to worship? Am I going to worship Baal, who I believe is the God who brings down rain and produces our crops? Or am I going to worship God, the God who called us up out of Egypt and placed us in this land and we have forgotten. And it's played out between these two men, Elisha, Ahab. And so the story continues. God calls Elisha to go. And I want you to lay, go live by the Wadi Cherith and I'm going to provide for you. Now think about that. God says, I'm not going to allow rain to come, but I got a place for you to go with this water. 
I got a place where you can go where there's water, but there's no food there. So I'm going to have the ravens bring food to you continually. So where we at? Verse number six. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the wadi. But after a while, the wadi dried up. And because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go now to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and live there, for I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he set out and went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the town, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Bring me a little water in the vessel so that I may drink. And she was going to bring it. He called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am now gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go home and prepare for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. Go do as you said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of meal will not be emptied, and the jug of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went and did as Elijah said, so that she as well as he and her household ate for many days. The jar of meal was not emptied, Neither did the jug of oil fill, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. You see, it'd be easy to look at this situation and to say, how's God going to provide? Well, first thing he says is, go out to this wadi. Then I'm going to have ravens bring you meat and bread but God the wadi dried up go to Sidon and I'm going to provide a widow to give you something to eat but this widow has nothing you know what I'm going to do I'm going to put faith in that widow so that she will trust a message that comes from me and what's interesting is if you think about this widow, she is from the very place that Ahab's wife Jezebel is from. So it teaches us not to discard a whole people, a whole nation, because of one person. Jezebel, a wicked queen from Sidon, she brings Baal worship to Israel. And that's a sin. But yet this very widow from the same place provides food for Elisha in the same place that Jezebel comes from and I think it teaches Elisha on some level to work where God is calling you to not to discard all people because of where they're from because it would have been easy for Elisha to say Jezebel's from Zidon and she's wicked and I'm not going there God because you know who they worship over there. But God says, no, go to Zidon. I have a widow there who's going to provide for you. And then when he gets there, you see how God works for the faithful? 
When he gets there, he calls a woman who has nothing but a handful of meal and a jug of oil. And that's all she has. And she says, I'm about to make this for me and my son, and we're going to eat this and die. Now, if you were down to your last, and when I say last, I mean last, to the very last thing that you ever was going to eat and prepare to die because of that, how many of us would be willing to share it? There would need to be something very moving for us to share that with a stranger we didn't know. And the very thing that caused her to share her food was that Elijah said, you bring me something to eat, God will make sure that you have something until this drought is over with. And she trusted that. You see how God's working? He's providing for his people, and he's using faithful people to provide. So this woman trusts what the man of God says. This man of God trusts what God calls him to do. It would be very hard for a person without faith in God to go to somebody who says, all I have is a handful of meal and a little jug of oil, and I'm going to make that and I'm going to eat it and die, it'd be difficult to say, make me some first. But Elijah trusts that what God says is going to actually happen. So out of his faith, he is moved to tell the woman, disregard your situation, even though we're in a drought, and it looks like this is a perilous time, make me something to eat, and God will provide for you. And that's what he does. And God provides. He goes from difficult situation to difficult situation, and his only hope is God. In the context to where the whole world, his whole land is suffering because of a drought. But he believes in the God that has power over that drought. And what God is looking for is people to look past their situation to understand that God's not confined by the restrictions that are up on us. So just because there's no water doesn't mean that God can't provide it. Just because there's a little bit of food doesn't mean that God can't provide it. Just because there's a bunch of people who are not worshiping God does not mean that there's not people who have faith. And what God is calling his people to is to trust him in all of that. So Elisha, go tell Ahab that it's not going to rain. Elisha, it's not going to rain, so go live out by this wadi, and I'm going to feed you. Elisha, that water is gone. Go to this foreign land where they worship another God, and I have somebody there who's going to provide for you. And then what happens? God doesn't leave those who demonstrate faith he doesn't leave them in bad situations. He proves his care and concern for them as well. Because there's a, a, a temptation at times to trust ourselves so that we won't be in bad situations. 
there's a temptation at times that when the whole world is falling apart, that we have to do all that we can to maintain ourselves because of the perceived evil that can come. And when the evil does come our way, there's a temptation at times to forget about God and do what we feel is right. But we must remember that God is still concerned about us, even in those difficult situations. Listen to what happens next. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. His illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. She said then to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. But he said to her, Give me your son. He took him from her bosom, carried him up into the upper chamber where he was lodging, and laid on his own bed. He cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord my God, have you brought down calamity even upon this widow with whom I am staying by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord my God, let this child's life come to him again. The Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. The life of the child came into him again, and he revived. Elijah took the child, brought him down from the upper chamber into the house, and gave him to his mother. Then Elijah said, See, your son is alive. So the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is your mouth is true. You see how the woman's faith was rewarded by God? Down to a person God has a concern that he can look through all of this world and see a woman of Zidonian who's a widow whose son died and do something to instill deeper faith in him. She already demonstrated it when she made food for Elijah because Elijah said that God will provide for you. And now he shows, rewards her by bringing her son back to life. I'm pretty sure you're aware of that in the context of the world at that time, women were very vulnerable. And so if they didn't have a son, a husband at the house, then they was easily misused by society. And the inheritance was passed down through sons and, and things were done and administered through men and they were given a type of control that was not allowed to women. So it was not just the fact that she would lost her son, the son she loved, but it's almost as if she would lose her voice in society and God restores it. He rewards her faith. But even as God looks down to faith as to a man in rewarding the widow by bringing her son back to life, God can keep large groups, congregations of people if he chooses, if somebody is going to operate in faith. Because sometimes we think that we're too small for God to see us. And other times we say there's too many people for God to act in this situation. But we see that right after we hear about this widow's son being brought back to life, there's another person in Obadiah. 
And Obadiah is working with Ahab. And some would say he's working with the evil king. How could that be? You're not supposed to associate with him. You're a man of God. You shouldn't have no dealings with him. But he does. And listen to what Obadiah does because he has faith in God. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year of the drought, saying, now they've been in this drought for three years. Go present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. The famine was severe in Samaria. Ahab summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Now Obadiah revered the Lord greatly. When Jezebel was killing off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets, hid them fifty to a cave, and provided them with bread and water. Then Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the wadis. Perhaps we may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction by himself, and Obadiah went in another direction by himself. As Obadiah was on the way, Elisha met him. Obadiah recognized him, fell on his face, and said, It is you, my lord, Elijah. He answered him, It is I. Go tell your lord that Elisha is here. And he said, How have I sinned that you would hand your servant over to Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom to which my Lord has not sent to seek you. And when they would say he is not here, he will require an oath of the kingdom or nation that they had not found you. But now you say, go tell your Lord that Elijah is here. As soon as I have gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you. I know not where. So when I have come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have revered the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets, fifty to a cave, and provided them with bread and water? Yet now you say, go tell your Lord that Elijah is here. He will surely kill me. Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elisha. Think about that. Obadiah is scared to death because he knows that they have been in the middle of this drought for three years, and he's the, the keeper of the palace, and he knows how hard Ahab has been looking for Elisha. Three years this drought's been going on, and Ahab heard specifically from Elisha's mouth that this drought's going to last until God does something through me. So Ahab's been looking for him far and wide. And Obadiah knows this. And if you remember when Elisha was about to leave this earth and pass on his prophetic mission to Elisha, that after he was left, the prophet said, let's go find Elisha because sometimes he pops up in different places. This is an example of that. 
to where Obadiah was like, no, nah, I'm not about to go tell him because God might move you. And I will get killed because you're not where I said you were. But Elijah says, don't worry about that. And then Obadiah is also concerned because he said, I've done good for God. I've been faithful to God, and I have actually kept a hundred prophets of the Lord safe, and I provided them with food and water. You hear that? In the drought, there was a faithful person who saw that there was persecution on God's people, and he hid a hundred of them, and he provided for them. And God rewards his faith. He's fearful that if I tell Ahab that I saw Elisha and you're not here, I'm going to die. But I also, knowing that God is God, I took some of his people and I hit them. Now just think about that. God put somebody in a position to where they could actually be a benefit to his people. God provided a place to where his people could actually stay safe from the persecution that they were going to face. Some of them died. But a bunch of them lived. And God provided a means for his people to be supplied with. You see, there was a drought for three years and water and food was scarce. It's so scarce that Ahab is going through the whole land with Obadiah looking for water to feed their animals lest they die. And the same Obadiah is providing water and food for God's people because they were about to get killed and he had to hide them. So he's almost responsible for them to a degree. And God is providing for them a hundred people just like he provided for three people. And so God's arms is not too short to where they cannot reach and take care of people no matter what's going on in the world. And we have to know that. Because no matter how it looks, Faith is going to be rewarded. We don't have to worry about what's going on with the rest of the world. We just have to worry about how faithful we're going to be while it is going on. Because God can provide down to a man. God can provide for groups. And God uses people. He uses people to help his people. Obadiah, the widow, Elisha, God used them all for the cause of his glory, for people who demonstrate his faith. And the problem was not a lack of water. The problem was not a drought. What the true problem was is what Ahab and Elisha represent. Whose God are we going to follow? Are we going to follow the God of Elisha or are we going to follow the God of Ahab? The God of Elisha showed Ahab that I can control what you believe your God can do. There are many things that people put faith in that God has control over and when God decides to stop it, Nothing can start it back up again. And when Elijah tells Obadiah to go get Ahab, listen to what he tells Ahab when he sees him again. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, It is you, you troubler of Israel. 
He answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and followed the bells. Now, therefore, have all Israel assembled for me at Mount Carmel with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. You see what uh, Elisha says? I'm not the problem. The problem is not the fact that I prayed for it to not rain. The problem is the fact that you have forsaken God. And because you've forsaken God, we have this trouble in the land. And the problem is not that there's a drought. The problem is that there is not faith. So you go get those false prophets and meet me. And what's interesting is God's not with the majority. 450 against one. One would think that God is going to be with the larger number because more people are following him. And Elijah comes by himself. But that is not the case. So when we are looking to find what God wants, it's not by following the crowds. It's going to God. Because a lot of times the crowds will lead you astray. The crowds are wrong. And a lot of times people just go with the crowd because they believe the numbers to be a testimony to the accuracy or the validity of the thing. Such is not the case. Listen what happens when these prophets meet. So Ahab sent to all the Israelites and assembled the prophets at Mount Carmel. Elijah then came near to all the people and said, How long will you go on limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I, only am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets number 450. Let two bulls be given to us. Let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, put no fire on it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, put no fire on it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire is indeed God. All the people answered, well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourself one bull and prepare first, for you are many. Then call on the name of your God, but put no fire on it. So they took the bull that was given them, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, crying, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no answer. They limped about the altar that they made. At noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, surely he is God. Either he is meditating, or he has wandered away, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be wakened. Then they cried aloud, and as was their custom, they cut themselves with swords and lances until the blood gushed out over them. And midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice, no answer, and no response then Elijah said to all the people come closer to me and all the people came closer to him first 
He repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be your name. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Then he made a trench about the altar large enough to contain two measures of seed. Next, he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, laid it on the wood. He said, Fill four jars with water and pour it on a burnt offering and on the wood. Then he said, do it again. And they did it the second time. Again, he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time so that the water ran all around the altar and filled the trench also with water. At the time of the offering of the oblation, the prophet Elijah came near and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your bidding. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offerings, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and even licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord indeed is God. The Lord indeed is God. Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. Then they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the Wadi Kishon, and killed them there. You see what the problem was? Elijah says, you're limping between two. You're going back and forth between who is God? Is it Baal? Is it Yahweh? Is it the Lord? Or is it whoever is not the Lord? And he says, let's get this straight. That's what the world doesn't want to do. They want to go between two gods. They want to go between God and everything else in the world. So is it the economy? Is it relationships? Is it another religion? And people are going between the two and they're not committed to God and it's causing all kinds of problems in the world and these problems distract people from focusing on God. But at the end of the day, God says, you're going to have to make up your mind. And when you make up your mind, whichever way you go, you're going to have to suffer a consequence for it. Elisha, he made up his mind to follow God. He was persecuted. He was ridiculed. And he was sought out by Ahab because Ahab believed that Elijah was the one causing problems on the land. When it was Ahab's inability to discern who was God. So he brings in false worship. He troubles the land and he doesn't recognize the trouble that he brought on the land. And in doing such, Ahab brings about not only his destruction, but the destruction of those who he influences. And so Elijah tells them, let's see. Let's put our 
our God to the test. And what's sad is, those 450 prophets, they really believed that Baal was God. They believed them to the point that they're cutting themselves, they're crying out loud, and they're doing all of these things for a thing that's not God to answer them, and he can't because he doesn't exist. But they don't recognize it. They don't realize it. And they're doing everything in their might to try to get a response from this fake God. And we still see that witness today. People do all they can to get a response from the idols that they make, and they cannot respond to them because it is not God. Our money can't save us. Our leaders can't save us. Our possessions can't save us. Our technology, none of that stuff can save us. Only God can. Those things have their place, but they're not God. And when we start putting them in the place of God, we lose focus of what the real problem in our lives are. And that's in our walk with God. When we're not walking with God, we can't see what's really going on. We dedicate our efforts, our energies, our lives to things that are actually bringing about our destruction. And it's causing problems in the world. But those problems are overcome by faithful people who will still adhere to what God says no matter what's going on. And those faithful people, God connects to one another and they assist each other through the problems of this life. And God maintains, controls, protects, provides for them. Just think about water in this story. God told Elisha to pray for a drought. He prayed for a drought. Elisha is provided by water out of Wadi. Elisha is provided food and water through a widow. Obadiah provides water for a hundred prophets for three years in the context to where the king that he works for can't even find water for his animals. And then Elisha tells them to pour three times the amount of water. You don't even need water in the sacrifice. Pour three measures of water on the sacrifice, on the altar. And what does God do? God lifts all the water up in the one response because a faithful man prayed to show that he was God. In the context to where water was kept from those following Baal, a God who was supposed to provide water for the people. You see, the problem is not things of this earth. The problem is our worship to God. And when we have worship right, we are aligned with God how God wants us to be. And then all these other things that we worry about are provided for. You see how intentional Elisha was 
when he built this altar? He built it and he sacrificed at the appropriate time. He built it the way that God wanted it. And he just asked God, show yourself to these people. And he does. And when God shows himself to those people, what is necessary? We got to get rid of all of those things that cause us not to follow God. While some people will say that's a drastic move to kill these 450 false prophets, it's necessary to eradicate the evil out of the land. Because if we don't get rid of those things that cause us not to follow God, we're going to keep those problems in our midst. And then what happens? When God proves himself, the problem gets resolved. The end of the chapter. Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of rushing water. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. Elijah went to the top of Carmel. There he bowed himself before, down upon the earth, and he put his face between his knees. He said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. He went up and looked and said, There is nothing. Then he said, Go again seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, Look, a little cloud no bigger than a person's hand is rising out of the sea. Then he said, Go say to Ahab, Harness your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. In a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. Ahab rode off and went to Jezreel. See, God proves himself over and over to his people. And God shows us that these problems that we think are the problem is not it. It's really our, our, our dedication to God. And the very thing that he's keeping from us, he provides when we have an understanding that he truly is God. And the very people that show faith in him, he keeps and he provides for with the expectation that we demonstrate the same love to others that he demonstrates to us. Let's not allow these worldly problems to cause us to lose faith. Let's not allow it to cause us to lose focus. Because they can. You look at the widow. She had nothing left. She was going to eat her food and die. That's a real problem. And that might cause you to despair. It might cause you to be selfish. But she heard something in Elisha's request. She believed something about Elisha's God. And she did what that God said. You look at Obadiah. It would have been easy for Obadiah to say, I'm not going to put myself in a position to where I would get killed by protecting these prophets. But he does. He even provides water and food for them. And one has to consider where was the source of this water that he hid from Ahab because him and Ahab go out looking for water for their animals while Obadiah has water for these prophets but he has faith in God 
And God is faithful to those who have faith to him no matter what's going on in the world. We're at a perilous time right now. People are questioning, should we go to worship? People are demonstrating selfishness. People are demonstrating greed. And people aren't realizing that the problem is not what's going on in the world. The problem is people are not being obedient to the God of this world. And they've replaced them with other things that cannot answer, that cannot respond, that cannot bring about the result that only God can. So let's keep God first. We're going to continue to worship. We're going to continue to trust God through whatever we go through. And we're going to be faithful to God because he's faithful to us. And in demonstrating that faith to God, we're going to look to provide for those who God tells us to, trusting that God will provide for us no matter how bad it looks. Because he can and he will. And if we ever lose focus on that, then what we have done is we've replaced God with something that's not God. I'm not sure where the message leaves you. I just was hoping to encourage you as we consider what's going on in this day and age, and I was hoping to remind you that this is not the first time that God had to work in situations that seem drastic for the world. He wants us to be faithful because he'll provide for us. He wants us to trust because he's done everything, everything that he needs to do for us to instill faith in him. And he wants us to be open to being used to demonstrate the love that he has, not just for us, but the love that he has for others and the love that we have for him and trust in his word. I hope that God keeps you and that you can see God working in your life and that God can see people can see God working in yours. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.